The weather is finally getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year, like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost like the middleman that passes the savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. I am so excited. I have two gorgeous, lightweight cashmere sweaters coming my way. One camel, one heather gray. I cannot wait to wear them in the warmer months when it's chilly in LA. Throwing them over my shoulders. Going to look so cute. Can't wait. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash judging Megan for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash judging Megan to get free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash judging Megan. And now back to the podcast. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons or the moment you discover the life changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Well, hello, everybody. You are listening to Judging Megan with your host, Megan Judge. Um, I just need to tell you something. And if, if you're female and you're listening to this, um, which most of my listeners are, but I love my men too. Shout out to all the men that listen. Um, I don't understand. Is there something when you're, you are a man, like you're born with some kind of like chip that lets you under or makes you understand how to, um, read directions on the teeny tiny writing of things that you are trying to put together and that you can understand it. But like, there's no way in hell that most women can. Let me give you an example. Um, so I ordered this. Th- I love Instagram and shopping on Instagram and shopping in general. But I ordered this this like steam iron, like L'Oreal steam pod is what it's called. And it's I have naturally curly hair and it's just frizzy most of the time. But when I saw this ad, it wasn't even an ad. It was Deborah Messing from... Um, what is that show? The Grace. What You know what I'm talking about. What was this show called? I'm going to bring Danielle on, my guest. Do you know what show I'm Will talking and Grace. about? Will and Grace. Thank you. Um, rough start this morning, trying to drink some coffee while I'm talking to you. Anyways, so I saw her use it and she's like, this is not an ad. This is the most amazing product for people that have curly hair, blah, blah, blah. So I go and I order it and I'm in my my 40s, can't see anymore, like need my glasses. 
the thing comes and the writing, the directions on this thing are so small that even with my glasses, I can't see it. And then it's in like 5 million different languages. And I didn't want to tell my husband that I didn't understand how to put a like a curling iron, like a steam pod together. Like I just feel like such a moron because I can never put anything together. Danielle, can you relate to this? Please make me feel better. It's so funny that you that you speak to this story because I am never one to read directions. In fact, my husband and my family has said that any toys that come to our house, I'm not allowed to build because I don't read the directions. I'm the type of person yeah. that's like, I just want to figure it out and put it together. So yeah, I don't I don't read them. And probably because I can't why, see them. Why did, why did they make things like so confusing where it's like I mean, we've all like when we were young, like bought like, or maybe now I haven't been to Ikea in forever, but I remember like buying like some table or something. And it was like, like screw B, screw A, screw. And I couldn't, there's no way I could have done it on my own. But for some reason, every time there's anything, my husband immediately understands how to do it and can put anything together. So my question is like, are women born with like something where we can't put stuff together and don't understand the small directions? And also, L'Oreal, if you're listening, can you please like explain in better directions how to put the steam pod together? Because I still haven't used it and it wasn't cheap. It was like a pretty expensive uh, flat iron product that I still haven't used. So everyone, I need to tell you really quickly about this product that I die for. I love it, love it, love it. It's called Dose. It's this teeny tiny little shot that I take to support my liver. I've talked openly before about my love of of a buttery Chardonnay. And I take these little Dose daily um, supplements. They're like these little shots. They have turmeric aloe vera, milk thistle in them. They're delicious. They're so yummy. A lot of times I've gotten them from like the grocery store before and they taste really bad. They have something in them like ginger or something spicy that makes it unbearable to drink. These are really good. They have all kinds of different products too, um, different shots. One's for soreness, one's for your skin. They have one for immunity. I personally subscribe and I get my monthly package for your liver. So if you go to, my website is currently down under construction right now, but if you go to dosedaily.com and you use the code judgingmegan15, you can get 15% off of your first order. I love it. I talk all the time about that I don't promote products that I don't actually use or believe in. This is one that I love and I hope you check it out. And I'm starting the show now. So I am lucky enough today to have Danielle Kobo on my podcast. Um, Danielle is a leadership coach, a corporate trainer. She's a keynote speaker. She's also a podcast host. She obviously wears many hats, and I am so thrilled to have you on today. Hi, Danielle. Hello. Thank you. It's an honor to be on your show. Of course. So you have come on today um, to talk about something that a lot of women have experienced. So we're kind of going to go into that, like, um, your, your issues with postpartum depression, which by the way, I've never done a show about. And I, myself, I actually did like kind of talk about this with one of my Danny, one of my past guests, but we didn't go into 
the, her deep story on it. I would love to hear about your story, but first I want to find out a little bit about you. So let's start with where you're from. I'm originally from California. And then after spending a majority of my upbringing in Newport Beach, California, I moved and did about a year and a half in a very small town called Enterprise, Alabama. And for any of you listeners that have ever heard of it, then hats off to you because it's got the world's largest statue of a bug called the Bull Weevil. And it's a very, very smart, uh, very small town. My husband did uh, Black Hawk Aviation School there. So lived there for a year and a half, and now we live in Florida. So it was an interesting shift coming from Newport Beach, California, to doing uh, Alabama. But now I've got kind of that perfect combination of the southern and by the beach town where I'm at in Florida. Okay. I love that. By the way, P.S. Newport's, I live in like the Manhattan Beach, Redondo Beach area. Um, Newport is one of my favorite places on the planet. I go, I'm actually going there this week um, with a good friend of mine. We're staying at the Lido House, which is one of my favorite hotels. And it's just the most beautiful, beautiful place. But most people do the opposite. They don't leave California for the South. They come, they leave the South for California. So um, I love that. And also, are you near the beach? I am. I'm about 45 minutes from the beach. So when I grew up, I grew up Dana Point, Laguna Beach. I was right on the beach. But now I'm about 45 minutes inland. But it doesn't matter because I live on a half acre. So I'm happy about that. Oh, God. See, that's the thing. Nobody seems to understand what we go through in California and how expensive it is. Um, And there's all – this is a whole separate podcast, but there's a lot of (laughs) – a lot of issues in California right now. So um, a lot of people have left, um, but I love my state. I love California and hopefully we're going to get our act together. But um, I am just so excited to have you on and would love for you to kind of go into your story um, and like what you actually experience. But can you tell me a little bit about what you do and like before we go into that? Yeah. So I spent about 15 years in corporate America. I was leading a team for a Fortune 500 company. Uh, I was working and I was always on the go and I was always on a plane. (laughs) And right when the pandemic hit, uh, it was right around the time that my husband returned from his deployment from serving a year deployment. And I, you know, the world had shut down and I kind of reevaluated what brings me joy in life. And so I left corporate America and then started a coaching business. And now I really help professionals have a thriving career and an abundant and balanced life. I love that. And you know, what's so funny is before we started, I said, I spent 15 years in corporate America. That's crazy. That's so, Mm -hmm. and I left during COVID And I kind of, my listeners know I've talked about this because I was having, I was also in a position where my boss was not the nicest and it was COVID and she was putting all kinds of horrible pressure on me. And, um, and I started having debilitating panic attacks and I was like, get me out. So I, that's why I kind of gotten into this and this is now my passion and I'm living my life doing something I love to do, which sounds like exactly what you did as well. 
A hundred percent. I am so happy. I didn't realize while I was working for the company that over the past seven years, I had lost some of my confidence and Mm -hmm. what really sparked my joy and passion. So when I left and I really took inventory of what I enjoy doing and then what I didn't enjoy doing, I was able to create the career that I wanted, the one that I've always wanted but actually took the leap of faith to do it. And I really contribute that to or attribute that to the pandemic. And sometimes there's a silver lining and a lot of people are shifting right now. I agree. And I think that, um, I think there's more and more people, especially being a woman in corporate America, which I'm sure you can relate to. Um, it's a man's world. It still is. Sorry. Um, I, I've talked openly before about like having ideas and, you know, I was in sales for quite a long time and I would come up with an idea and like a man and they would be like, oh, be quiet because I'm loud. I'm an alpha. I speak my mind, obviously. And a man would come up with the same idea like two days later and they would be like, oh, that's a great idea. So I think it's still, um, there's a lot of women, especially if you're a mother, you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with that have shifted what their priorities are and what they want to do with their lives. And in general, I think people in general, if they're in this like job that they hate, COVID's kind of made them wake up to this isn't, I don't need to live the rest of my life doing something I hate to do. And obviously I'm fortunate enough to be able to do this. um, And I'm not making (laughs) the money I was making at one point, sadly. So my shoe budget has gone down. Um, but (laughs) it definitely fulfills me and I love to do what I'm doing just like you. So, um, I hate to take this turn, but I, I do want to talk to you about kind of why you came on the show and this is really just to help other women. And also I appreciate you sharing your stories. So you're married, um, uh, your husband is obviously in the, what is, what services is he in the army? He's in the army. Okay. So where was he deployed? You said he was deployed. He was deployed in Iraq. Okay. Which obviously must've been very, very difficult. And like all these, all the moms and women and that, you know, they have to deal with their husbands going away to serve our country. We're all so grateful and thankful to you, everyone that does this. So let's talk about um, kind of like your struggles with um, postpartum, but like if you don't mind disclosing what you went through before that. Yeah. So I, my husband and I, when we got married, we waited a little bit to have kids. Cause right after we got married, he joined the military eight months after we got married and he was 32 and I was in my early thirties. And we really tried to have kids for a few years. I think we tried for about three and a half years and we tried everything from, taking different medications. Ultimately, we ended up doing IVF. So we did IVF and we were blessed with twins. So I have twin boys. They're about four years old right now. But through that journey, really looking back and how everything kind of played out and really came together with this perfect storm of setting it up for, hey, you're going to have postpartum. And everything that mm-hmm. contributed to it. Because not only was on why on hormone medication trying to conceive. Then on top of that, when I when I was pregnant, I w- had double the hormones while I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, when my, my twins were born, 
they were born six weeks early. So immediately I went in for an emergency C-section. I'm laying on the table and I'm seeing them take one of them out. And I didn't know what genders I was having. So he calls out boy and I'm like, yay, I'm having a boy. Uh And then they pull out the other one, which it was a boy too, but he was blue and he wasn't breathing. And so a team of five nurses surrounded each one of them and immediately took them to the NICU. There were several hours that went by before I actually got to see my newborns. And then on top of that, they spent 17 days in the NICU. So they were on feeding tubes. They were on, there would be many times that they would, it would go through called desaturation where they would forget to breathe. So you'd unwrap, you'd unwrap them, you'd tickle their feet to get them to breathe again. And then you were trying to get them to feed through a feeding tube while teaching them how to feed. So that moment of leaving the hospital and here you envision of, I'm going to leave the hospital and I'm going to have my babies and I'm going to go home. No, I left the hospital and for two weeks went home and took care of the house, got the house ready because we weren't fully prepared. Our house had actually just gotten through a flood and we were in construction and then would go to the NICU and try to spend time with them before we got home. And to take that really a step further once we got home, I was so excited they got home. But then that's when reality set in as to, for anybody that's listening who remembers that being first-time mom where you're going, wait a minute, there's no instruction manual, manual uh-huh. to this. Like, how do I do this? Yeah. And, and not to mention the fact that like the trauma, you know, having a baby in general, and then I also went through fertility stuff with my second Um the hormones, all the things that you go through just to get your babies and keep your babies and like grow your babies. And then the trauma of like an early delivery. And then on top of that, I, I, I think it, I always feel for women that have to leave their children at the hospital, go home, come back, visit. Um, Cause it's not the picture that we think we're supposed to have as mothers, right? You dream, I mean, at least I did. I think a lot of women do. You dream your whole life of being a mom and like, you know, getting that really pretty picture. By the way, none of my pictures were pretty in the hospital. I didn't have my makeup done or like at those women that do that. I look like, a, a, I look like Mrs. Doubtfire. I did not look cute. Um, but I always think that so many women think a certain way. And as women, we're supposed to be, have this like perfect birth story and all of this stuff. And it just doesn't always happen that way. So you were already traumatized before you even came, walk through the door, right? You have that, all of those additional layers. I'm so glad that you really speak to what we envision going in to mm-hmm. getting credit, what we envision going into being a mom and like what that maternity leave is going to be like. Cause a lot of companies out there say, Oh, well, maternity leave, it's, you're just not working. No, it's actually a lot of work because you're giving your body time for your hormones to regulate again. Your babies aren't sleeping. You're trying to figure it all out. So yeah, I believe every company should have maternity leave. If you want people to, if you want women to come back and be efficient and effective in the workplace, then you got to give us time to recover from delivering your babies. A hundred percent. Don't get me started on that because I, I'm very, very lucky. I took, I live in California. 
which California has all kinds of issues. One of them is that we do have very good laws for women. And um, especially like I had, I was fortunate, I had great insurance with my company and I was able to take six months off, which is very rare. Wow. Yeah. But then I have my older sister, who's a teacher, by the way, and this is how slanted our system is. Our teachers are completely shafted. She gave birth and had to be back like a month later, like uh, something ridiculous. And at the time she was living in South Carolina. And I mean, your body goes like your body goes through so much trauma, like especially if you have a C-section, right? And and you need that time for your for your actual physical body to heal but also your brain and your and your insides like what it does to women you think back in history women didn't work you know like we we didn't have the same responsibilities so back in like you know the 50s and 60s or prior to that unless you were like giving birth in a field and then having to be back in the field. But the the term, it takes a village. There's a reason why there's a term called it takes a village because people had help. So I love that you pointed that out because it's so true. We need to treat our moms in corporate America differently because that's part of the reason why women aren't going back to work, right? And it's incredible how these little, these little creatures, these little babies that look so innocent. When you talk about taking a village, these two, it they they one of them was born at five pounds three ounces, the other was born at four pounds ten ounces. So they didn't have the weight on them. They were obviously premature. They didn't necessarily know how to feed. So it would take an hour and a half to feed one, then an hour and a half to feed the other. Then I would have an hour break, and we would do this round the clock. They didn't start sleeping through the night until they were six months old. And when you say it takes a village. These two little babies wore out four adults because my in-laws were living with us at the time because they had just moved from California. So we were exhausted. So they came home. I'm completely exhausted. I'm in shock because I don't know how to be a mom, what to do. Plus they're, they're preemie. And so one of them's on a heart monitor. And then what happens is Postpartum kind of kind of plays into a little bit once the the reality that they come home happens. But two weeks after they get home, mm-hmm. I all of a sudden have this sharp pain in my stomach. And it was immediately within minutes dropped me to the ground. And I call for my husband for help and I'm there's something wrong. And gratefully, my father-in-law is a surgeon, so he says, let's go to the emergency room. I end up having gallstones. And while I'm laying in the hospital and the doctor is, you know, we they do all the lab work. I spend the night there. The next day, the doctor's telling me, you need to have surgery. It's not a matter of if you're going to have gallstones again. It's a matter of when. And you, I'm recommending that you have surgery. Well, while I'm laying in the bed, The news is on and it's Hurricane Irma is coming towards our house. We're living in Florida. It's Hurricane Irma. And this was on a Wednesday when I see this. And then while I'm in the hospital, I get a call from my husband and he says, I've just been activated by the army to move the helicopters from Florida up to the Northeast. So I look at the doctor and I say, I can't have surgery. 
I need to go home and take care of my babies. My husband's being activated right now. So got some painkillers. And then for two days, for two days, prepping for this hurricane is my first hurricane we'd ever endured. Uh, One of my boys is on a heart monitor and I'm calling, I'm calling all these, you know, Lowe's and Home Depot and all these places to get a generator to have power to put the battery pack for his heart monitor on. And they're all out. So I end up buying one extremely overpriced one off the side of the street. We're going to the grocery store, packing up with water and canned foods and trying to fill up gas cans. All the gas is gone. The grocery stores are empty because everyone's in panic mode for this hurricane that's coming. And the day before the hurricane hits, we board up our entire house. So we have boarded up our all the windows around our house. We had friends that came over and helped us with that. And when the hurricane hit, we lost power for four days. So we oh had a generator God. hooked up to our fridge. Yeah. And it was, and it wasn't, you gotta think about it. We're in Florida in August. So it was extremely hot. So it was a humid, hot. You were dealing with like horrendous pain, I'm assuming. Yep. And then you had babies. Your husband was gone. Mm-hmm. Your in-laws were still there helping you. Yeah. My in-laws were still there helping us. So like, how did you even get through that? Like, okay. So, cause this is, I hate to say this cause it's, I'm being an idiot, but like, it literally was a perfect storm. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, the worst case scenario ever for all these things to go wrong at one time. So you got through the storm and then did you have the surgery? So I ended up, we lost power for four days, about four and a half days. We lost power. So it was boiling hot in your house. Yeah. I mean, we had, we had a generator that was outside. It was plugged into fans in our house. Our windows were boarded so that did help provide shade, but Uh we are basically down to like a short shorts and a tank top. But I had to have a washcloth in between me and my baby because the skin to skin was too hot for us. Yeah. So I just had each of them in a diaper and I've got like a washcloth and they slept on me at night. So you weren't getting any sleep and you were in excruciating pain. I don't think I got any sleep the first six months. We slept on the couch for the first three months. part of why Mm -hmm. it causes such bad like postpartum. Okay. Yeah. So then you, you ended up getting the surgery. I didn't end up getting the surgery until a few months after that, because then once the hurricane passed, my husband had some like military duty and I was trying to still care for the babies. I think I waited a few months to have the surgery Okay, and just kind of managed through it and just kind of prayed like, hopefully I don't get a gallstone again right now. Okay. Uh, so did really, they, pa- so they passed. They did pass. They ended up passing. Okay. Yeah. While okay. I was in the hospital. Excruciating mm-hmm. from what I understand. Yeah. Okay. So then you were, you, it was, you, the storm passed and then you were left with the babies alone. Yeah. It okay. was it was just this situation where you talked about envisioning what your life is going to be when you first begin. You know, we tried for three and a half years. I didn't have my kids until I was thirty four. So you envision this: I'm going to come home and I'm going to have this blissful maternity leave, and I'm going to s- spend time with them, and we're going to go to 
mommy and me Pilates. I don't know. I had all yeah. these visions in my head of what this maternity leave was going to look like. Yeah. And and it was nothing. It was absolutely nothing like that because it was not only were they born six, six weeks premature, they were in the NICU. I endured this going through this hurricane. And because they were preemies, I wasn't allowed to take them anywhere for the first three months, not even a walk. The neonatologist said, don't even go for a walk because they didn't have the immune system to support being exposed to anything. So it's interesting, COVID, I always say that life, the difficulties and the challenges that you have in life prepare you for that next phase in life. And in this circumstance, getting through the situation, I'll kind of go through the steps that I went through to overcome postpartum, Mm -hmm. but going through this helped me have the skills and the courage and the strength to endure two years or a year and a half later when my husband deployed for a year. And I, they were a year and a half years old. And then, you know, that time period when they were three, first three months, they couldn't go anywhere. COVID didn't shock me that much. I, we were used to being home anyway. Yeah. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. This time of year is the worst. I feel like I can't do anything and I can't enjoy my dinner because I can't taste my food and I can't work out because I feel tired and distracted. I can't even feel like I can host this show because my voice sounds like a duck. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. I feel like I've been using Claritin D for probably a few months now, and I have really noticed a difference. I can work out. I'm not feeling like my eyes are watering and my nose is all stuffed up. I can speak without feeling like a frog has jumped into my throat. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats.com dot com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Yeah, so it wasn't also that I'm assuming job. just with preemies in general, from what I understand, um, that they must have been colicky. Very colicky. Oh gosh. Okay. Which, which that alone, if you have a colicky baby, I I'm lucky I did not have colicky babies, but I did have a baby that would just not sleep and sleep deprivation and everything else. I, I experienced postpartum. I'm my story. I'm sure is very different than yours, but, um, I, I just wanted to go back a little bit and say to touch on what you said. So as a society, we glamorize um, everything on Instagram and Facebook and, you know, people don't ever see the real stories behind just having one baby, not, not like don't even touch two. I don't know how people have 
two at a time. I struggled just having one, you know, and being able to get through the night and um, all the things that we deal with with one. And then you had to deal with all of these other things and the fertility. So when you go through fertility, I think everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be perfect. I'm going to bring my babies home. I'm going to get all these pictures. You know, I'm going to put my baby on the mat. And it's like one one month old, two month old. You know what I'm talking about, how, those pictures that people do. But yes. they don't tell you nobody really, I do on my personal Instagram, I talk about like everything. So people, I'm an open book because I don't ever want people to think that's part of my mission in life is to say, I struggle. These are the things I've struggled with in my life. And I think the more women that are open and honest with their struggles of like, life isn't perfect. Like my baby was hard. My baby had diarrhea all over its crib and then painted on the walls. That's a personal story of my own. You know, nobody talks about those things. They just talk about like, this is perfect. And it, and that kind of needs to stop. It does. I, it absolutely does need to stop because yes, there are some moments that one in seven women suffer from postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women go through IVF or go through some sort of infertility type experience, but no one talks about it. And so often what happens is, is women feel alone. And when you feel like you're alone and no one else is going through it, that can also contribute to that depression. And- 100%. I've talked about this before and I hate to talk over you, but I'm extremely passionate about these topics. One, one being miscarriage. When you have a miscarriage and then you just, nobody knows because you don't, you might tell your friends, but then it's like, oh, you had a miscarriage. I'm so sorry. And then you just go on with your day, but people don't really understand the pain of, of that loss. And then the same thing with like hormonal changes, like I'm in my forties, like I talk openly about like your, your body changes and all the different stages of your life. Nobody gives you a manual on just like you said, taking a baby home step-by-step how you deal with each issue. It's just kind of like swept under the rug, right? Yeah. I mean, what you see on social media looks great. Mm-hmm. And it's and you, you speak to that whole, I'm going to take one month photos, two month photos. I remember I've always envisioned of having, I had a Pinterest board of like the newborn photos that I wanted. I had the <laughs> newborn photo uh, appointment scheduled for that, but I was in such a deep depression that I canceled it. And I said, I am not in a good emotional mental state. As much as I want these pictures, my mental health is not there right now. And that was some of the learning lessons that I had. If there's a couple learning lessons going through postpartum, it was really tune in to what's going on. Because sometimes people will say, oh, it's okay. You'll get through this. You'll get through this. No, take a pause. Listen and have the awareness about the emotions that are going on and acknowledge them. I remember going to my husband and saying, I'm not good. I am crying every single day at the dinner table. I'm not well and I need help. And that's the second thing is ask for help. There are so many resources that are out there, but unless you take the time to go get the help, you're, it's going to take you that much longer to recover through the process. I ended up doing 16 weeks of cognitive therapy every single week, meeting with a therapist, 
doing the work, getting involved in support groups. And and it was an ever-evolving process. It was the first day, I remember, I'll never forget the first day, it was baby steps. And it was, okay, I'm going to take a shower. It's amazing Mm -hmm. how you feel after a shower. (laughs) When you've got spit up all over you and you haven't been sleeping and you're sweaty from not having power for four days, it's incredible what a shower can do. Yeah, right. The <laughs> and things then the, we take for granted. <laughs> yeah, the things we take for granted. And then the next day it was, okay, I'm going to put a little mascara on. And then the next day it was, okay, maybe some lip gloss on. The next day it was, I put normal clothes on. I wasn't in my sweats. I wasn't in my maternity clothes. And which is the reason why, whether I see people or not, I always get dressed up. You I always, believe you always I, get you I always up. get dressed up because I believe in dressing in the way that you want to feel. Now there's going to be days where I have jewelry on and I got and I look stylish and things like that. And then there's other days where I'm going to wear my leggings and cute shoes and I'll have my hair pulled back, but I still put effort into the way that I look because I want to feel, I want to dress the way that I want to feel. Oh and my if God, I'm, I love that. Mm-hmm. I I need help with that. I don't always dress up. I I need to work on that. That's such a good point. It reminds me of a story of I saw this like thing on social media about how important it is to make your bed every morning. I don't know if yes. you've seen that because That's it, a, by, uh, there's a book called Make Your Bed and it's by an admiral for the Navy. Yes. I forget his name, but yeah, he does a whole speech and the importance of making your bed and how it's the first tasks that you accomplish that day. Uh-huh. And if anything goes wrong throughout the day, you at least made your bed. So I'm a big believer on creating a morning routine and starting your day with intention. But can I just go backwards a little bit? What was the point where you said, because I always am inspired and honored and like this is my mission. Part of why I started the podcast was because I suffer. I was in such a dark dark depression a few years ago, um, that I'm on a mission to make sure that people know it's okay to talk about, you know, postpartum depression, depression in general, and getting help and admitting to getting help. Whereas it's like swept under the rug where women don't talk about it. Um, and, and, and if they do, they feel ashamed or they feel like people are, other women are so hard on other women. And that's a whole separate subject that I talk a lot about, but what was the point where you went, I need help. I have to get, go to the doc. I need to talk to my doctor about this. Also, I want to point out that a lot of times you're, if you're, I think doctors are getting better with this, but it's not at least with both of my kids. And I love my OB. I'm obsessed with her. Um, she does talk. She did talk to me about this, but from what I've gathered, not every doctor does. My doctor did not. Okay. So talk about that and talk about like your breaking point where you realized you needed to get help and talk about it and get into therapy. Yeah. I, I just remember sitting on the couch and I have both of them in front of me and I'm looking at them and I'm going, I love them. But that, that connection, that, that thing that you envision of like, oh, I'm going to be so happy. Mm -hmm. No, I remember sitting at the dinner table and crying every night because I'm dreading going through the night because I'm not getting sleep. Mm -hmm. And I'm, 
I'm going, when is this going to end? And I just wanted so bad for them to grow up. I just remember every single time we go to the doctors, I would say, have they gained more weight? Have they gained more weight? Can we let them go through the night sleeping? Because I wasn't getting any sleep at night. And which is another reason why I am the big believer of, no, I'm not going to sleep when I'm six feet under the ground. No, I'm going to get my eight hours of sleep every single night because I want to be refreshed and energized in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sleep deprivation is one of the biggest, it's the biggest thing that's connected with um, depression in general. If you're not getting your sleep, um, that's a huge issue. So I think that something that I dealt with when I was dealing with it was these scary thoughts. And I'm very open about talking about the thoughts I was having. Like at one point, I remember freaking out because I remember thinking there's a knife in the house. What if somebody comes and stabs my baby? Like I was having these like irrational thoughts Mm -hmm. that weren't normal. And I was like, you know, like when you have a bad thought in your head, it's kind of like being in church and wanting to say a cuss word out loud. (laughs) It's such a weird thing. I've always been paranoid that I'm going to develop Tourette syndrome and say like a bad word in church. I don't know what's wrong with me, but it's that kind of thought where you're like, why is this thought in my head? Get it out, get it out, get it out. And you Mm -hmm. can't, you can't. I don't know if you experience that because people experience things in different ways. Well, and that's where that's, that's where cognitive therapy really comes in. And yeah, Gratefully, I had a degree in psychology. I have a, a a degree in marketing and a minor in psychology. So, and my mom was bipolar, so I kind of had some history around being able to identify depression, mm-hmm. and it didn't hold the same negative stigma for me as it did for other people. With that said, family members did have a negative stigma around it. They're like. People are weak if they take medication. So them seeing me go through it, I really think changed their perspective. Uh One of the tools that you learn in cognitive psychology is having, being really in tune and having the awareness about what are your thoughts, taking a pause, acknowledging your thoughts, and having the tools to shift your mind. Mm -hmm. So is it a couple things is, is what I'm stressing about in my control or is it out of my control? Because there's things that are going to happen, like when my husband's deployed, I can't control what happens in Iraq. So focusing on the fact that there's missiles hitting his base, which there's multiple times I was on the phone with him and there was missiles in hitting him, his base while I'm on the phone with him, I can't control that. And so sitting and dwelling and stressing over it that's only going to take an emotional and mental and physical toll on my body. Yeah. So it it's having that awareness around what's happening and trying to have your shift the mind to go into what can I control? Can I shift my mind from that negative into the positive? And, and I use those tools when I have anxiety because ever since I had postpartum, I still suffer from anxiety. Mm-hmm. So I start to say, hmm, why am I getting butterflies in my stomach? Why am I feeling anxious? What's contributing to this? And quickly being able to identify it and then say, is this really the reality of what's going on? Or is this a story that I'm creating in my head as to if I'm in, you talk about building a business, right? 
if I'm telling myself I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail, well, is that the reality or is that the story I'm telling myself in my head? If I'm saying I'm not a good mom, is that something that I truly believe or is that a story that I'm telling myself in my head? And when you're able to take that negative shot, that negative thought and shift it and saying, I can do this, I will do this, I am a great mom, I add value to whatever I'm doing. And some of that times it's like, it's fake it till you make it, dress Mm -hmm. the way you want to feel and start doing those affirmations every single day and tell yourself five things of why you are amazing. And then you will slowly change the thought process in your head. You got to really be in tune and to just have, and and it's okay to say that you're not well. It's okay to ask for help. A hundred percent. I say it all the time. When you went and actually, I'm, I'm sorry if I talked over you, but you went and actually got to the point where you did know that you needed therapy. Did you tell someone? I told my husband. Yeah. So okay. I, I remember yeah, so you was- said you told him and then you went and got help. Did you ever go on medication? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I went on medication. And I was on medication for a while because first it was overcoming the postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. And then it was when they were a year and a half years old, then he deployed for a year. So I was like, hmm, do I get off of it right before he deploys? Probably not a great idea. No. And the pandemic hit. Oh, gosh. Don't get And then my mom was taken by suicide. Oh, gosh. So it's been – I am so sorry. Yeah. So I I, – I don't know if there's like a perfect time to go off of it. I'm on a very low dose where the Do you mind telling me what kind you're on? Because I yeah, I'm on, yeah, I'm on Wellbutrin. Okay. And it's I'm very and, sorry and to hear about your mom. Thank you. Um I think that you have every right obviously and everybody does to be on medication. Um I for a long period of my life have su- I mean, I've suffered with depression my whole life, but did not think I needed to be on medication until I got to the point where I saw no other way out mm-hmm. and went on it. And I'm, I openly talk about that I was on Zoloft. I've been off of it now for about six months. I have tools just like you do because therapy saved my life. I say it every, at pretty much every podcast. Um, my therapist is reoccurring on this podcast. And um, I think that medication, if used properly and when it's needed, it, there's a reason for it. Just like if you, you know, broke your arm, you would need a cast or you would need something. So it's the same thing. Um, I didn't I, get on medication and then not do the therapy. I got yeah. on the medication knowing that it's going to take six weeks to to kick in. And while I was while I was doing that, I was doing 16 weeks of therapy and I was doing the exercises every single day of what she was giving me as the tools. Do you, so how, and not to mention the fact that I don't think that people talk enough about and give credit enough credit to single mothers. Um, Having Mm -hmm. like all the things that people, I mean, I was lucky. I had my husband waking up and taking care of my babies and, you know, I could get the sleep, but people don't seem to understand that don't experience themselves, like having twins, being alone, and then you're going through all the different stages of like toddlerhood. So there's the newborn phase and then the teething, right? And then the, 
like the crazy toddler stage where they're like, if, especially if you have boys, they're like running all over the oh, place and like, like your pants are falling people. down and like you're sweating and just all the things that it, that you go through as a mother, you know, um, and then doing it alone. And then while your husband is doing something to try and save our country and ha- let us have the freedoms that we're so fortunate to have in this country. And I can't, I really quickly just, I wish I would have said it in the beginning, but my prayers go out to like all of the Ukrainians and uh, my heart is, my heart breaks for them. And I did want to mention that on the podcast. I think everybody has a responsibility in our country and in the world to like honor what these innocent people are going through. But I just thought of that because I just think what your husband does and all the people that sacrifice their lives. So we have our freedom are just unbelievable people. Mm -hmm. Um, But going backwards. So you were, you're still medicated, which thank God you are in a place where you realize that you need that and it's okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Totally. Okay. Um, What are some of the things that you tell people, like, obviously you're an expert on this because of everything you've been through, Mm -hmm. normalizing, talking about postpartum, what, what are some things that you do? So speak up. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through this alone. Talk to somebody that you trust, that you love, whether it's a friend, a family member, but speak up trying to keep it in and trying to hold it together. And that doesn't serve you. It's very courageous to be vulnerable. And what you'll find when you step up and you start talking about things, what you'll probably realize is there's other women that have gone through this as well. And they're going to feel more connected to you and also feel like, wow, she just created a safe space for me to talk about it as well. So speak up. And ask for support. A lot of people want to help, but they don't know how. And so it takes you stepping up and saying, this is how I need help. My mother-in-law was amazing. She cooked for me. She cleaned for me so that I could then spend the time with my babies, taking care of myself. But you got to speak up and say exactly what's going to support you. And then the third is dress the way you want to feel. Kind of fake it till you make it. Dress the way you want to feel. Start your morning with your affirmations. End your day with your affirmations. And really work on changing that thought process in your head. And in addition to that, I would say um, create your tribe of people that Mm -hmm. are going to support you and help you and love you. And in, you're not alone in this. One in seven women suffer from postpartum depression. It is more common than people actually talk about. I, I love all of those things. And I, one of my favorite things about doing this is I always learn something from the guests that I always, there's always something I take away from this. And I love that you say dress the part. It's important to, to get up and like get your act together. It's kind of like manifesting like the secret, you know, which Mm -hmm. I talk a lot about, like, remember the secret, Mm -hmm. but 
it's the same thing. And the way that you talk to yourself, I'm notorious for looking in the mirror and saying bad things to myself. My husband always says to me, he's like, would you say that to somebody else? And I was like, no, I would never say that to somebody else. So okay, it's so the way take that-, that a, take that a step further. Imagine yourself sitting down and do you have boys or girls? I have two girls. Two girls. And your daughter is sitting across from you. Mm-hmm. Would you tell her the things that you tell yourself? Never. And I'm learning this, but it's it's it takes work for me because I lived 40 plus years of my life hating my insides. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I in the past couple of years, I learned to actually, and now I do like myself, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it took a lot of work mm-hmm. to, to, you know, like myself. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And say the correct oh, 100%. thing. Yeah. I mean, I think that most women can relate to mm-hmm. putting themselves down or feeling bad about themselves. So I, I love all of those steps. What are, um, where are you now? Let's talk about how you're doing now and your little boys, you said are four. <laughs> yes, they're four years old. Wow. And yep. And they are, they're so much fun. I, I love, they're like my, they're my best friends. Cause they are who I had dinner with every single night when my husband was gone. Yeah. So now I am, I have a thriving business. My business is growing and and that was a learning lesson itself. And it really stems from that self-doubt and really believing in yourself. And a lot of the tools that I learned going through postpartum, I've applied when my husband was deployed. I've applied when I'm starting a business. Mm-hmm. But now I am a speaker. I'm a corporate trainer. I have a podcast and I get to work with women on how to apply a lot of these tools so that they can have the same success with the career and and with the life. And my husband and I are celebrating nine years this week, wedding, Ooh, being married. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you'll be our fourth it. one together actually in person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's back. He's back. Yeah, he's back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, I love what I love everything about you. I say this all the time. I really do. I, I feel like my guests a lot of times, no matter how we meet. I, I just love doing this. I love meeting people and talking to them and being inspired. Um, I think that you're an inspiration. I think you need to keep going with what you're doing and talking about your experiences because the more, especially women that talk about this stuff, I think I say this all the time, it's kind of like a fire and you're mm-hmm. the fire spreading and like you're helping other people with your story. Um, so I love that you're doing what you're doing. What is your podcast called? It's called Dream Job. It's with- called Dream Job with Danielle Kobo. Okay. And tell me about it. What What do you talk about on your episodes? We talk about everything from how to have balance in your life by setting boundaries, how to say what you think, how to be a successful woman in a male-dominated industry, because I've been in a male-dominated industry yep. like you've talked about, how to <laughs> how to climb that corporate ladder, how to develop your brand, how to identify what that dream job, that dream career is for you. I've had everything from international best-selling authors to TEDx speakers to women who are in CEO, VP level positions. And it was rated top five for women equality and equity and top 25 business podcasts. Oh, I can't. I don't usually listen to business podcasts, but I can't wait to listen to yours. Um, I think it sounds 
really interesting. And I hope that my listeners check it out. You're a very smart cookie. I can already tell you're also very physically beautiful. I like to tell people because they can't see um, who I'm talking to, but beautiful inside and out. And I, oh, really quickly, what is your um, Instagram so people can follow? Oh, yeah. At the Danielle Kobo. I'm on LinkedIn the most. Okay. So I would say, yeah, LinkedIn, Danielle Kobo. I am posting on there all the time. And I talk a lot about some of the tools that I've learned throughout the journey. And I, I talk a lot about on on uh, LinkedIn. Okay. I'm going to have to go follow you on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been in, I need to get more back involved in LinkedIn. I, I never go on there since I haven't been working in corporate America, but I'm going to, and I'm going to go follow you. Um, in closing, everyone, I say this all the time. Um, I want to, again, speak to Ukraine and all of the things that are going on in our world um, and just say thank you to my listeners that you take the time to to follow me, to send me messages, to leave me reviews on Apple. I know it takes a minute, but I really appreciate it. Um, and I love doing this. I love meeting people like Danielle. The more people that talk about real things in life, whether you're struggling with grief, loss, addiction, whatever it is, there's always someone that there that's there that you can talk to. And if you don't have anybody, reach out to me and I'll put you in touch with someone. Um, and my daddy, this is what, how I close my show. But my daddy used to always say, um, be happy by making other people happy. Mm-hmm. And so I live my life trying my best. Don't get me wrong. I may or may not have given somebody the middle finger in traffic this morning um, after I dropped off my kids, but try to do the best you can in life. Be kind. People need it. Our world is really kind of messed up right now and be happy by making other people happy. I promise you just the one little action that you do in life can change somebody's day. So thanks for listening. And Danielle, thank you again for coming on. Thank you. It was an honor to be a guest. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.